Hi there. My name is Dr. Pragenta, and I'm the host of the Dr. Nurse Podcast. I'm an advanced nurse practitioner, and I want to be your guide into the world of nursing professions. This podcast is a platform for nurses to share their journeys as they made their way in the diverse field of nursing as either entrepreneurs, academia, private practice, or even the corporate world. I think we should celebrate just how diverse the field of nursing is through mentoring one another with the stories of our career journeys. Nothing is too mundane because each journey is unique. This podcast will showcase career options to encourage nurses to view their degrees with a business mindset. After all, we work in the healthcare business. And ultimately, I hope I might inspire you to make a change if you're looking for something different. I am motivated to see you live your best nursing life, and that looks different for everyone. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast, and let's get started with today's guest. Hey guys, I wanted to give you a little info into our guest today. Jennifer Tolo is the owner of Butterfly Family Wellness. She is also a whole health educator, speaker, author, and mother of four boys. For more information on her journey, be sure to check out the show notes, which has all the details of her start in nursing up until where she is today and to see what she offers her clients in her current practice. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jennifer and I left our conversation with a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts about how and what we understand about the body, mind, and soul. I hope that this is something that you guys will find interesting and that will maybe open your eyes and your mind to something that you might not have considered in your own practice. That's what it did for me. Enjoy the conversation. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for coming on to the Dr. Nurse Podcast. So happy to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this. So let's dive in. What is your current role in your job title? What do you do for a living? That's such a tough question for me now because I, I, I wear so many hats, but I, my current job title is I am a whole health educator and patient advocate, and I am a speaker, and I am going to start teaching at a nursing school, so I'll be an adjunct professor at Endicott College of Nursing. And as I was reading through, you are also a registered nurse, but not currently practicing as a registered nurse? Right. Occasionally, I will sub as a school nurse, but I like to keep my nursing background current just because it's, it's a really useful thing to have, and I still use nursing in what I do. So are you a school nurse at one of your children's schools or just a school that you've always worked at? I, I have been... A substitute for a couple of different school systems. One, my, my kids' school, but they don't love it when I'm in the school. So it's another school system that I will sub at. But I've gotten a little busy. I do a lot of speaking engagements now, and I've been working on a couple of different projects. So I haven't really had a lot of time to be doing that, especially with COVID. I really don't want to be in the school nursing arena right now. But I do, I keep my nursing license current because I think it really is a handy, useful thing. And, you know, even with COVID, I thought, do they need my help? Do I, should I come into the, because my background is ICU nursing. So ICU and trauma. So I think it's, it's something I will probably always keep up my RN license. And then I see here, you're also a Reiki master and a certified personal trainer, as well as a certified integrative nutrition coach. And you also 
have an education in mindfulness-based stress reduction. And so you've been trained in guided imagery, yoga, sound healing, and meditation, which are just such cool disciplines to kind of have your hand in. Tell me a little bit about your journey throughout all these different certifications. If you could take us back to when you were graduating nursing school and kind of how you've developed these other um, abilities through your practice. Absolutely. So I went to nursing school at the University of Virginia and way back when I'm going to date myself, but I remember working in the neuro ICU back then. And in fact, my last day working there as a nursing assistant while I was waiting to finish up nursing school, Superman came in. So Christopher Reeves was brought into the, to the hospital. I remember just thinking, oh my God, this is Superman. He had fallen off a horse and I just watching everything happen so fast, watching the quick decisions, watching just the efficiency of the nurses. I was drawn to critical care right off the bat. Wow. So you were a nurse when he was brought or a nursing student. I was a nursing student when he was brought in. Yes. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah. And then when I graduated from nursing school, I, at that point was, it was, there was a nursing shortage. So it was hard to find a job. I had been told there's no way you're going to get hired in critical care right off the bat because you're fresh out of nursing school, usually you need some experience. But I wound up somehow finding a job at New York Presbyterian Hospital in New York City in the cardiothoracic ICU. So it was actually a step-down unit, but you you were trained as a, as a critical care ICU nurse. And I started working there, loved the, I feel like it really, I thrived in chaos. Like I was able to just dial it in. When there was a problem, I was able to really focus and I was really able to dive in and, and troubleshoot. And I love that. I feel like it, it, it brought out like my intelligence as a nurse, but I also was working, I always say it's working in cardiac ICU is like working with a pack of barracudas because the nurses are tough, they're cutthroat, they're territorial. And coming in as a new nurse, I sort of was the kind of person that wanted to dive in and learn that way. And there, some of the nurses were the kind that wanted to, that thought that I was cocky and who does she think she is? I think that they were a little resentful that I was a new nurse in that setting. But, you know, when stuff hit the fan, they would literally push me out of the way and try to take over. I've always been intuitive. I've always had this sense of, like, I can see deep into things and I'd call it a medical intuition. I've always had this ability to to see and sense something deeper going on. And so I established myself as a nurse that could be trusted, as a nurse to to check in with. And when things would, would happen, they would say, Jen, what do you think? And they listened to me. And it was interesting because I met my husband on this floor. My husband's an orthopedic surgeon, but he was in residency then. And I happened to meet him. And it was it was really affirming to me working in that environment, being able to troubleshoot, being heard. I was very autonomous, but it was such a stressful environment because the nurse, it was sort of a toxic nurse, the the nurses, the way they treated each other. It was really uncomfortable. So I wound up transferring and working in the surgical ICU, which I liked. And then I, I went from there, I got my master's degree at NYU And I was actually on track to get my NPH and my um, master's in nursing administration. And it's funny because if you had asked me right out of college, right out of nursing school, 
what I was going to do, I would have said a nurse practitioner. But I realized that I saw things that I didn't like happening that I felt like I could change by becoming an administrator. Ha ha ha. Little did I know. <laughs> so anyway, I, I worked in surgical ICU for a while, got my nursing or got my master's, but I wound up getting pregnant and my husband was getting his fellowship match. And I wound up not completing my MPH and just finishing with my master's in administration. And I worked as a nursing supervisor for critical care at New York Presbyterian Hospital for a while, while I was getting my uh, master's degree, worked per diem. And then we, we left. And I remember going to, my husband did his fellowship at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And at that point, I had one child, I had a baby, he was not even a year old. And I wanted to keep my foot in nursing. So I worked every other weekend when my husband was off, I would work in their transplant ICU. And it was really interesting because at Rochester, Minnesota, everything was tasked out because it's a very small town and they have to employ people in the town. And not everybody has college degrees, not everybody even finishes high school. So they had a lot of technical positions. So I remember showing up and coming from a place where I was very autonomous. I did my own cardiac outputs. I adjusted my own ventilators, like all this stuff. Then going to the Mayo Clinic where they had technicians to do all that stuff. I thought, well, what do I do? What, what is my hmm. role here? I worked in the transplant ICU there. And they said, oh, you're just going to assess. But it was a really weird hands-off experience for me. I didn't like it. And then we wound up moving to Massachusetts for my husband's job. And I worked as a nursing uh, supervisor, had my second son. And this is when everything changed for me. Because my second son, when he was born, he had a massive neonatal stroke. And oh my gosh! as a nurse, I remember just being like, okay, I just want to hold my baby. What's going on? Why aren't they bringing my baby to me? Scheduled C-section, an hour goes by, they haven't brought my baby to me. And I was like, what is going on? Now I'm drugged up on Demerol and all sorts of stuff. So I say I'm in a Demerol fog, but I remember just being like, what is going on? They won't let me hold my baby. I just want to hold my baby. And I couldn't wrap my head around the severity of what was happening. So he, he stopped breathing and he was seizing, but it looked like fencing where one arm would go straight one arm and one leg would go straight and the other one would draw up. And they wound up having to send him, I had him in a community hospital, they wound up having to send him to Children's Hospital in Boston, which was about 30 miles away. So my husband went with him and I, because I had the C-section, had to stay at uh, the local hospital. And I remember waking up to all the babies crying and going, I like just <sighs> so full of despair. My milk's coming in. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I just want to hold my baby. And I couldn't Jen, get past this. Yeah, but I remember my dear friend who became a very amazing mentor to me. Her husband was a orthopedic also resident with my husband. And she said, Jen, you just got to breathe, honey. You just got to breathe. And so I sat there and I took some really slow, deep breaths. And it was like this fog just lifted. This clarity came over me. And I was like, I need to get out of here. I need to be with my baby. I just need to be with my baby. He's going to show me what he needs. I just need to connect to my baby. And it was the first time that I sort of allowed, was almost like 
God, the universe blocked my logical left brain where my nursing brain couldn't think about what exactly was happening because what my son really needed is my right, intuitive, connected, emotional, loving, nurturing brain to connect with him and to really not get bogged down in all of the details and the logic because there was no explanation for a lot of it. And when I got, I, I signed myself out of the hospital, the doctors let me go. And I remember showing up to Children's Hospital and my husband was laboring over neonatal neurology books. And I was like, babe, we need to be the parents here. Like we, we have to trust our intuition, but like, we just need to connect to this baby. He's going to let us know what he needs. And I remember there were so many cooks in the kitchen, you know, there's so many different specialists working with him that they weren't communicating. And I remember sitting, literally sitting the doctors down. Now I'm all of five foot two, but I, I feel like I'm this like giant, like six foot, whatever, got a big mouth. <laughs> and I was like, guys, we need to start talking and communicating because you've got him totally drugged up to stop the seizures, but we also want him eating. We want him all this stuff. I was like, can you guys communicate? And so it was really like, I feel like it was this experience that awakened the magic inside of me and the magic of the messages inside of me, the messages mm -hmm. that were downloaded from source that were in my soul, like connecting my soul to my son's soul. And he is 18 years old now, graduating from high school. Now he's had major challenges, learning disabilities. I mean, basically he's missing huge parts of his right frontal lobe. But I learned Reiki. That's my friend, Bonnie, the same one who told me to breathe was like, you need to learn Reiki. He needs to, you're going to have to help him stay grounded and connect. I learned mindfulness for him and for myself. I learned meditation for myself and for him. I dove into nutrition. But fast forward down the line, at this point, I, a couple years later, I had, was pregnant with my fourth son. And the same day that I found out I was having a fourth boy, my third son was diagnosed with leukemia. So this is, this is a long story. I mean, I, I'm sorry for the long no, story, I but love it's it. all no, it's, part of my path. Share um, it. <laughs> so, and again, my nursing brain, my logical brain, I mean, my son had a distended belly. He'd complain of his belly hurting. He just was lacking in energy and had little petechiae, so little bruising around him. And I thought, what's going on here? Like, what, what's happening? I remember taking him to the doctor. She palpated his liver. She's like, oh, Jen, I'm really sorry. His liver's enlarged. Now, again, my mother's brain would not connect to my nursing brain. I was like, what do you, okay, so what do we need? You know, we need a, a sonogram of his belly. Like, what's, what are we going to do? Nobody would actually say the L word. Like, nobody would say it. And then finally, hmm. we're, they get us into the ICU there. We're awaiting, again, transport to Children's Hospital. And at this point, I have two kids in tow. My husband's operating. And, and I was pregnant. like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> so literally my critical care nursing brain fires and is like, okay, I'm going to have, I got to call my mother to come up from New York to take care of the kids. I'm going to call my friend to take the kids right now, meet me at the hospital. And then I'm going to call my babysitter. My trusted babysitter is going to stay with my kids until my mom can get there. So I had it all planned out. In the meantime, finally, I got them to tell me, He's got leukemia. And I was like kicking myself, like, 
why did I not know that? Like, these are all the right signs. Like, why did I not go there? And then I, again, got the message, Jen, you've got everything you need to handle this. And we got to the hospital. I remember them handing me a binder uh, that was like, I kid you not, about eight inches thick. Like, this is the next two years of your life. Wow. I already knew about nutrition. I already was trained in Reiki. I was already knew how to tap into the magic inside and the messages inside. So I did Reiki on him every single day. I used guided imagery when he was septic to help clear the infection from his body. I helped use guided imagery when he was third spacing to visualize his blood vessels like straws soaking up the interstitial fluid. And I did that for literally 24 hours. And I trained the nurses who had gone and gotten a, a cert, you know, like a continuing education. They'd gotten a Reiki certification, but they yeah. didn't know what to do with it. So I was like, here, come to the bedside. Let me show you how you're going to use this to help my son clear the negative effects of the chemotherapy. He never had mouth sores. He never had nausea and vomiting. He never had the horrible side effects of the chemo. And he was high risk ALL. And so it Again, I had already tuned into that, right? I, I knew what to do. I remember talking to the doctors about like nutrition and going to see the nutritionist. And they were like, just get calories in them, just get calories in them. And I would see families with like McDonald's and Dairy Queen waiting for their kids after they'd been NPO for procedures. And I was like, no, this is not it. Like they need, I knew enough about nutrition to know that he needed you know, good nutrition to help his cells regenerate and heal. So that's when I got another certification in nutrition because I needed that knowledge. And I'm happy to report he's 15 <laughs> and healthy, cancer-free, but it's been a journey. And through that whole process, through my kids' challenges, I was really awakened to my gifts. I was really, and then I communicate with the angels. And I, there was a time where I thought my son died. He had this thing called press syndrome. So press syndrome is posterior reversible cephalopathy syndrome. It's, it's got headaches, seizures, mental alter state, visual loss, character. So basically it was it's the, a complication from the chemo. It was a complication from the chemo and he had some gentamicin toxicity, but basically I'd be talking to him and he'd go, mommy, mommy, mommy. He would stare off into space, couldn't see me. And it was like my son had left the building, you know, like his physical body was there, but there was no connection. And we had to, he was home for like just a couple of days. And then we had to whisk him back to the hospital. And I remember calling my friend, Bonnie, who she was a Reiki master. She actually developed clinical pathways at uh, Maryland Shock Trauma, University of Maryland. She trains doctors and nurses in yoga and Reiki to bring integrative medicine to the bedside. It's pretty powerful. But at this so point, cool. so she trained me in this stuff. She hadn't quite done this yet, but she knew Reiki, yoga. She had no medical background. But again, she's married to a surgeon and she's the one who was literally my lifeline in all this. And I called her. I said, this is what's going on. She said, Jen, call all the angels. Make sure that the angels are with every person that touches your son. I said, I've already done that. Already done. And we get to the hospital and she and our other friend, Michael, who's an intuitive, calls me and he said, Jenny, I'm really sorry, but I can't see the baby. I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I can't see the baby. There are so many angels around him. I'm sorry. I said, why do you keep saying you're sorry? And he said, because 
usually when I see this many angels, they've come to take him. And I said, no, I know, I know that they are not here to take him. They're here because I've asked them to be with him. And my husband, the surgeon, this is when I really knew like, okay, this is where we were so soul connected. He turned to me and he said, Jen, I want you to go in the corner and I want you to write because when stuff is very personal, sometimes I don't get the messages. I don't hear the messages, but when I write, the message comes very clearly through me like a journal. So I sat in the corner and I wrote and I asked, are you here to take him? Or are you here because I've asked you to be here? And they said, we are here because you've asked us to be here. His soul has chosen to stay. So that was when like everything wow. just really aligned. Jen, Jen, that's, that's, <laughs> that's nuts. It made me think about that book by the neurosurgeon, yes. Proof of Heaven. Yes, Proof of Heaven. Oh my gosh, that is an incredible book. But like what you were describing to me, like took me back to that book of a neurosurgeon's journey into the afterlife and coming back. And he was like, I'm a neurosurgeon. Like I've been trained medically and yet there is something outside of what we're doing. I'm kind of getting goosebumps. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, what you're describing is awesome. Well, we talked about this just briefly right before we got on to record It's to me, this awakened experience really helped me integrate my right brain and my left brain. So that like logical left brain where so many medical practitioners, we want the data, we want the proof. We sort of go by uh, the numbers, let's say, or go by the presentation and go by where sometimes we forget to tap into our gut and our inner knowing and that, that connection to our mind, body, and spirit, that connection to source, if you will. Because when we slow down and we connect and we allow ourselves to really trust that, that's where we are our most powerful healer. That's when we are are truly aligned. And this experience with my kids really integrated those two sides of me, where I, I it allowed me to advocate for my kids. It allowed me to question, you know, because you know what? We know our bodies better than anybody else. As a mother, I know my children, what they need better than anybody else. But so often we, we, I say we give away our power. We, we hand over the reins to other people who aren't as connected. And I'll tell you now, when I go see a doctor, I look for the doctors that are going to listen to me. They're going to, mm. that are going to let me be the guide that are going to just take my direction, that are going to help me co-create and co-navigate my own health. And when I work with people now, I don't want to fix anybody, but I want to awaken people to their own inner knowing and help them fix themselves and help them tune into the messages of their mind, their body and spirit, because that's where our power lies. Yeah. And you do that by your business, correct? You are the owner of the Butterfly Family Wellness. And, and they can find you online, but it's really neat. Describe what you do in your current in your current practice. Yeah. Well, I'm sort of in this transformation right now with my current practice. I used to see people one-on-one. And when they come to see me, I, I would use any and all of my gifts, you know, my intuition, tuning into them. I would use muscle testing and nutritional response testing. I do energy work, Reiki, where I can connect to sort of where the root cause is. But I found, and I do a lot of stress management, but I was finding that there were a lot of people coming to me wanting me to fix them still. 
And I wasn't getting as much joy out of that because I would maybe make suggestions or, or help them connect to sort of the stressors in their life and give them techniques and tools to manage the stress, but people weren't doing their own work. And then they would call me in crisis when they would start to spin and want me to fix them. And I was like, okay, hello, I'm a mother of four boys. I got my own stuff going on that I'm trying to manage. I can't fix you. I can only give you the tools. As I say to my kids, I can lead you to water but I can't make you drink. And only you can drink the water. Only you can do these things to help yourself. So my practice is I still do that. I still work with people, but now I work with people one-on-one in a capacity of, I call it the integrative life reset coaching, where we really get to the root cause of things. And it's like peeling off a layer, but everybody's got to do their own work. Um, and I'll guide them. I might work with supplements, but I am very anti-extreme. I am really focused on helping people tune into the body and making small changes one little one moment at a time one choice at a time and tuning yeah. into to what's right for them and then i do a lot of speaking uh, i love to do speaking engagements my passion is really stress management and teaching people realistic things in the moment that they can do to reset their nervous system and reclaim their power over their health and well-being and I do, you know, podcasts, a lot of talking. I do have some group coaching. I have a group coaching program called the Inside Out Healing Program. I do work one-on-one, but I do a lot of group and online remote stuff. I can tap into somebody's energy over, over the phone and online. I don't need somebody physically with me to do that. That's really cool. Yeah. So tell me about in your career and over time, I mean, we've heard some of the incredible challenges that you've overcome just and it's setting off your career in, in a certain pathway and trajectory. But tell us about one of the times that you've just really noticed was a truly successful story in your clinical practice. So I'm thinking of this one person in particular that's been coming to me for a while. And she was a career woman, chose not to have children. She came to me with massive, massive stress symptoms. For example, she hadn't had a bowel movement and she had, we should have maybe one a week and that was normal for her. She was just very stressed, like her, all the different signs. She was having anxiety, depression, her GI tract was completely out of whack. And I really helped her learn just little stress management tools and techniques, ways that she could, what I like to say, pause with purpose during her workday to just reset and really worked with her on setting some boundaries at work. I worked with her on noticing when she's starting to go into a stress spin. And so we've been working together off and on for several years. And I'm happy to report that she literally will say to me, like, I found my voice flowing regularly. I never thought when you told me that I, you would have me pooping every day, I didn't believe it. And she has really set boundaries where she went from working about 80 hours a week to working about 40 to 50 hours a week and really setting those boundaries. And lately we've been doing some work because she's perimenopausal and she's been having a lot of hot flashes. And some of the underlying things that we've worked on was healing her choice not to have children and going to the root cause of that, which was from childhood, and really working on working through and moving through some of that. And then we discovered that she had had a miscarriage later on and didn't plan on having kids. 
And she, for a while, buried all that, but we were able to bring that stuff up. And I'm happy to report she has not, her hot flashes have stopped. She is um, just, she said she feels better than she's ever felt. So that's my success story. And it only happens because she's open to it. And she, I sort of established that trust with her. And as I say to everybody, we might, I might open some closets we might dig deep into something, but I'm never going to leave you alone. And in the beginning, when I started working with her, she wasn't ready to go there. So, you know, we worked on the stress management techniques and then she stopped coming to me for about a year. And then all of a sudden came back to me and was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to get, get to dig deep again. Cool. Yeah. And for me, yeah, I need, like, if you're going to work with me, you got to be ready to dig a little bit deeper because that's where I could really help transform things for you. But when you just want to stay on the surface, you're not going to be able to really get deep into that healing. What you're describing is that brain health. I believe the mind is so strong and it can really begin to affect your body, the stress, the trauma. All these things have to be on earth in order to, to really pluck the weeds out of your soul. And with Reiki, we talk about chakras. And I know we had talked about acupuncture. Acupuncture talks about Mm -hmm. meridians. They're all energy systems, energy being chi. Energy is life force. Energy moves through us. And what we don't always understand is when we don't deal with things and when we suppress things, when we suppress our emotions, there's a great book by Candice Perth. And when I did my, through the National Institute for Whole Health, where I got my certification for whole health educator, that's a big book that they talk about. And it's, she scientifically shows how when we suppress emotions, it impacts our neurotransmitters and it blocks our body systems. And so that's a big part of what acupuncture and Reiki and things like that do is it helps to move energy in the body and it helps to release some of the blocks that we don't even realize we've created because of our compartmentalizing things, because of our not wanting to deal with things, because we are a society that has become so disconnected from our bodies, from our minds, from our spirits. We are a society that has become so distracted where we want. And this is, this is one of the things with COVID is it's really forced us to sit in our stuff and it's become, I can't tell you how many people, it's very uncomfortable and people don't want to feel those feelings or look at the things that are not working in their life. They'd rather distract themselves from it. Yeah. And unfortunately, the busier you are, the busier you are, the less you can hear your soul crying out for nourishment, right? Like, and the less you can connect to what the messages are. I mean, every obstacle, I can honestly say that the challenges that I have faced, every obstacle was a lesson, was an opportunity for me to learn and grow. I never sat there and said, why is this happening to me? Why me? I would literally say, okay, what's the message? What am I supposed to learn? The things that I had to learn was how to ask for help how to open to my gifts, how to integrate the left and the right brain, how to yeah. trust myself and my own knowing. Without so all these, these experiences, things, I wouldn't have known that. And all and all these things answer my last question, it, which is about what do you do when you're starting off your career as a new nurse? And all those things you just described about knowing yourself getting quiet and listening to what is your gifting? Because one of the things that I keep hearing 
throughout the stories that I get when I speak with nurses is that there's a calling that's been put on their lives Mm -hmm. and they feel like they are meant to go do something. And until you can quiet your heart and your mind, or at least at least for me, your mind, so you can hear your heart speaking, I feel like what you're describing through the mindfulness techniques and other stress relieving techniques that you, you know, shared with me today on today's podcast, like these are how you do figure out what your calling is in nursing. You quiet yourself. It's the quiet voice that says you're meant for this, as you described, you know, your Reiki therapy. Yeah. And you figure out what lights you up. What excites you? What connects you? What excites you? you? Right. Yes. Because I mean, if I say this, had it not been for my kids, I'd be in nursing administration with a pit in my stomach every day, walking away from my job. Miserable. Like that didn't excite me. But now, so do we have time for one quick little story? Absolutely. Go right ahead. If I'm going to, this is like my big tip to anybody in healthcare. And it came from this experience. I had a really dear friend of ours, somebody who, when my son was sick, my son who had cancer was sick, he and his family, I didn't even know them, came out, offered themselves because he had had lymphoma. And so he said, I I know what it's like. If there's anything I could do, just great man. His name was Mike. And fast forward several years, he had gone to see my husband for some orthopedic stuff that wasn't getting better. Needless to say, they found that he had lung cancer that had mets to his soft tissue, bones, and brain. And at the time that they finally discovered it, it was pretty far gone. And nobody knew, but my husband told me about it. And Mike came up to me and said, Jen, I know that I've sort of rolled my eyes at the Reiki, but I, I think I'm going to need this. Can you, can you come and do Reiki on me? I was like, no problem. Now he had three small kids. So my youngest is 12. At the time, his youngest was the same age as mine, which was five years old, four years old. And I was like, oh my God, I got to, I got to heal him. I've got to make him better. So when I went over for Reiki, I literally put my hands on him and was asking to heal him. I, my intention was to heal him. And I went home and I was so drained and exhausted. I, it's like I gave every bit of my own life force energy to this man. Mm-hmm. And then I called my friend Bonnie, the one who trained me in Reiki. I was like, I don't know what the heck happened, but I need to fix this guy. I need to heal him. And she said, Jen, you tried to heal him, didn't you? I said, yes. She said, you got to take one step away and you have to connect to what is his soul want? What is, you are not the person healing. You are just the channel. So you have to open to whatever it is that he needs and his soul needs. So the next time I went in, a couple of days later, I went to go work with Mike. And I, I would say I'm clairvoyant. I mean, I'm not clairvoyant. I'm clairaudient. So I hear things. I do get pictures and stuff, but normally I don't see people. And I literally go to do work on Mike. And all of a sudden I see this person standing next to him. And he said, I'm Chuck. I'm his friend. I died, you know, several years ago but I'm here to help you because you have to help him die. His soul is done and he's ready to pass, but that's what he needs your help with. And I thought, okay. So literally my work with Mike was whatever it was that his soul required. And he called me and I would be there. He called me to come into the hospital. I'll never forget this. It was July 4th weekend. I was supposed to go away with my family And his wife called me and said, Mike's asking for you. I get to the hospital. 
And I said, I just looked at him. I'm going to get emotional. And then I go, it's time, buddy. And he said, it's time, huh? Because I saw Chuck again behind his bed. And I said, yeah, it's time to bring the boys in. So his wife was like, oh, okay. His wife didn't really buy into much of this. In fact, to this day, she's kind of weird with me, just strange <laughs> with me, but it's okay yeah. because I did what I needed to do with Mike. And so a couple of days later, he passed. And I got to tell you, that is probably the most powerful moment. And it was the message in that experience was we do not do the healing. We are the channels and the vessels, and we have to connect to people's souls and do what they need because we can't put our own desires and needs on others and our own judgments and our own on other people. We have to just show up however that person needs us to show up as a healer. Wow. That is incredibly powerful, Jen. Jeez. Yeah. Oh my goodness. God, but I just feel like that's when I train people, myself to breathe. <laughs> when I train people in Reiki, this is the story that I give them. Because honestly, think about how much stress we as healers have when we can't fix somebody. I look at that with my husband. I look at that. It is not our job to fix people. It is our job to show up, to guide, to be there. And to let whatever source wants to bring through us come through us. But that person has their own soul contract, their own destiny that we can't interfere with. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And Bonnie would be probably one of your biggest mentors, you would she say? She's my biggest mentor. Yeah, she really is. Yeah. She's one of my best friends, but she's the one who tells me to stop running around like my ass is on fire. She's like, would you just stop <laughs> and slow down? And um, she's awesome. But yeah, she's been my, she's, she's the one who sort of helped me with my awakening. And, and yeah. really, I attribute when she tried to train me in Reiki before I had kids, I was like, yeah, 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 that sounds great. Wasn't open to it. But as soon as my kids needed me to open to other things, there wasn't anything I wouldn't do. And she was wow. right there to guide me. Yeah, we, we all need a friend like Bonnie that tells yep. us to calm down when, when we're freaking out, which <laughs> yep. is great. Yep. So this was an incredible journey. Thank you for sharing your story. The last part of my interview is a rapid fire question. Just fun. Boom, boom, boom. You didn't have any time to prep for these, these questions. All it's right. just silly. And so we're going to get started if you're ready. Yeah, go. All right. <laughs> Magnolia. Down in, the, yes, Sweet Magnolia. and we watched uh, we're re-watching Peaky Blinders my boys and I are you back yes okay all right perfect good tell me what you got on your Netflix Sweet Magnolia I just finished that season and uh, with my boys I'm watching Peaky Blinders okay and what was your favorite subject in school English and French oh French Very I know and what would be a hidden talent something that nobody knows you can do you could eat 50 marshmallows or something funny or weird let's see my hidden talent I throw Red. a mean spiral that's what I was looking for <laughs> Jen you have been a joy thank you for coming on the podcast today do you want to give a shameless plug for your website I would love to give a shameless plug so my website is butterflyfamilywellness.com I'm also about to launch jenniferrentolo.com. If people want to connect with me, jen at butterflyfamilywellness.com. I have a Warrior Woman Reset free ebook that I give to people. That's just my top 10 tips on how to tame the chaos of your life. 
That's really cool. Yeah, guys, check her out. Thanks for thanks for tuning in today uh, on the Doctor Nurse Podcast, and we'll catch you guys later. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Well, this is the end of our time together. I really hope you enjoyed the chat. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and leave us a review if you like the show. I would love to get five stars. The Dr. Nurse Podcast is on Instagram, so please follow us there for any updates on new podcasts and other inspirational information to help you on your own journey. You can message me at the Dr. Nurse Podcast at gmail.com with any career professions you are interested in hearing about. I'll do my best to find them. And as always, thanks for listening. And just a reminder, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only, and the information should not be used in substitute for professional care by a medical provider. The information in this podcast does not represent medical or other professional advice or services.